Welcome. You're listening to the Sanctuary Podcast with Tully and Chivijan. Be sure to follow us on our social media channels. You can find the Sanctuary Jupiter on all major social media platforms. Thanks for listening to the Sanctuary Podcast. I want to begin by reading a portion of an article that a friend of mine wrote a couple years ago. He said this, Many of the problems we face daily can be fixed or at least addressed. If our car breaks down, we can take it to the mechanic. If we get a headache, we can take some Advil. If we say something mean, we can apologize, and so on and so forth. But what about problems of a less everyday nature, the kind that keep us up at night? A friend who recently separated from his wife told me, I've done everything I can think of. Even couples counseling hasn't helped. She just doesn't want me. It's going to take a miracle to save our marriage. This friend had pursued all the right options and nothing had worked. The problem was beyond him. This wasn't a problem he could fix. So it is with us. Our condition is not fixable. That is, we can empirically say that the solution to the deepest needs of human nature have not been found in the realm of what's possible. We need a miracle to save us. You may think that's a bit of an overstatement, an exaggeration, a miracle. We need a miracle to save us. You may be here this morning and not even thinking that you need saving But let me ask you this. Have you been able to eliminate anxiety from your life? Have you been successful in that regard? Have you been able to rid yourself of your deepest fears? Have you been able to eradicate all of your insecurities? Have you been able to fully satisfy your deep need and longing to be known and to be loved? Have you been able to do away with your feelings of regret and shame and guilt? Have you been able to do that stuff? What is it that you can't let go of and why? A hurt, a pain, a thought, a regret. We've been trying, the human race has been trying for thousands of years, and we still can't cure the universal ache of loneliness and fear and emptiness and guilt and hopelessness and regret and sorrow. I mean, the best minds throughout history have been unable to solve the deepest human problems. As much progress as we have made uh, over the last thousands of years, there are certain things we can't fix certain problems we can't solve. And the best minds and a lot of money have gone into trying to fix these things, solve these problems, and we can't do it. We can't eradicate our lives or this world of things like loneliness, uh, hopelessness, a sense of guilt, shame, regret, maybe the feeling of missing out on something we thought would make our lives matter. Who knows? what it is for you. I know what those things are for me. Science tells me that I'm a blob of protoplasm. Historians tell me about my past and statisticians tell me about my future. Psychologists liken me to a rat running through a maze and philosophers try to give me reasons for running. 
But when they've finished with their little speeches, there is nothing but the cold, hollow, empty echoes of our own voices. This has been true for thousands of years. And all we're left with are the Apostle Paul's words at the end of Romans 7. Who will rescue me? Where is our hope? Who can save me? Who can help me in those places where I really need the most help? And until we can admit how helpless we are when it comes to the things that matter most, we'll never see Christmas for what it is, a divine intervention. That's what it is. The verses that I just read tell us that God sent a miracle of mercy into the mess of our unfixability, that he, he sent light into the darkness of our solutionlessness. Christmas is the beachhead of God's campaign against the hopelessness of human ache. That's what it is. We celebrate this time of year, rightly so, in many ways. But in all of our celebrations, we tend to lose sight of the reason why the first Christmas was necessary to begin with. Christmas is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, and for many it is. I mean, new babies or grandbabies. Uh, Your first Christmas as a newly married couple, maybe it's your first Christmas that you believe in God. Christmas has new meaning for you this year than it has in previous years. I mean, this is a happy time of year for many people. But for many, it's not. For a lot of people, it's, it's painful. Christmas is haunted with memories, things that have gone wrong in your life, people that have left. It's that time of year when, when budgets break, when you're reminded of how dysfunctional your family is. When you miss the people you love who have either died or or left you, abandoned you. Maybe you're still single and Christmas is a painful reminder that you're alone and can't find the love that you long for. Or perhaps you and your spouse can't have children and seeing families together at Christmas only intensifies the sadness of infertility. For some of you, this is your first Christmas as a divorcee, and your once put together family is now broken. It's not the way it used to be. Everything has changed. For others, you're afraid it will be your last Christmas because of your recent diagnosis, or you're afraid it will be your last Christmas with your mom because of her recent diagnosis. A lost job, a daughter who won't call, a father who can't get sober, a spouse that died, a sibling in rehab, the ache of a lost relationship, a son in prison. This time of year has a painful way of reminding us why the first Christmas was so necessary. We are broken people, and we are living in a broken world with other broken people. Life is hard. Pain is real. Things hurt. It's hard to be human. It's not easy. Life is not simple and easy. It's difficult. It's painful. Christmas time can expose some really hard things, but it also announces the arrival of a deliverer from those hard things. 
The one who promises rest to the weary and burden. The one who promises peace even in chaos. The one who promises to stick with us no matter what. The one who meets us in our pain, not on the other side of it. The one who isn't waiting for us to clean up our act before we go to him, but the one who comes to us in the midst of all of our dirtiness and messiness. In fact, Christmas tells us that God came into the real world of divorce and death and addiction and broken families and shame and stress and anxiety and depression and lost jobs and unfulfilled longings and crippling fears, the stuff that makes up what it feels like to be human in this world. And what's so beautiful about this is that Christmas, God coming down, sets in motion the divine pattern of God coming near to us, not because we're good and clean, but because we're broken and needy. People get this backwards. They think of God as one who is so clean and so righteous and so holy, which he is, that he's simply waiting for us to get clean and righteous and holy before he will love us, before he'll accept us, before he'll be our friend. But Christmas sets in motion the divine pattern of God coming near to us, not because we're good and clean but because we're broken and needy. These verses make plain that God came down and even his own people rejected him. He didn't come down because we were asking for him to come. He didn't come down to pat us on the back for a job well done. He came down because we needed him to come. He was coming into a broken world to love broken people. I've been a part of two interventions in my life. If you've ever been a part of one of those, it's usually a setting in which some family members and friends um, confront someone uh, they love who is struggling with some sort of addiction, who is ruining their lives. And for whatever reason, they don't see it. And so friends and family gather to try to get this person to see their need for help and then to get them help. And I've been a part of two of those. And on both occasions, the person who needed help got so defensive immediately. So defensive. I, I, can, I, can get, I can get a hold of this. This isn't something that requires an intervention like this. I just, I just sort of need to, need to exercise my willpower and stop acting destructively or doing destructive things. It's, it's hard to admit that we need help. It's hard to admit that we're broken people. It's hard to admit that we're helpless. It's hard to admit those things. Everything in this world wants us to believe that we're supermen, we're superwomen. With the right amount of time and energy and willpower, we can accomplish anything. We can do anything. Um, it sort of speaks against our helplessness. It sort of covers up our neediness. Um, The founders of every major religion have said, follow me, I'll show you how to find God. Christmas, on the other hand, is Jesus saying, I am God who has come to find you. It's not the same thing. Christianity is not religious 
At least it shouldn't be. Christmas is not a religious holiday. Religion's all about me and what I do and how good and clean I can get for God. It's about me. Christianity, on the other hand, is an entirely different thing. It's not about me and what I do for God. It's about God and what he's done for me. It's not about me being good. It's about God's goodness coming to me in my badness, in my need, in my brokenness. See, Christmas reveals a God who knows your deepest struggles and darkest secrets. He knows all the things you don't want anyone else to know, and none of it, none of it causes him to blink. In fact, this is the beautiful irony of it all. He came for you because of those things, not despite those things. He didn't come because we were clean. He came because we were dirty. He didn't draw near to us because we were clean. He drew near to us because we were dirty. Um, Christmas is the celebration of Paul's words in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where he says, Where there is a lot of sin, there is even more grace. More grace. These verses tell us, the ones that I read, tell us plainly that it wasn't our decency and our strength that summoned God. It was our dirtiness and need. In other words, it is our guilt that fetches God's grace, not our goodness. God's grace is not attracted to goodness. It's attracted to guilt. The magnetic pull of God's grace is our guilt, not our goodness. Our neediness, not our strength. Christmas is a reminder that your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace and your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. So from the unintelligible cries of a baby lying in a manger, God shouts, I'm here for you. I've got this. I have a friend who wrote this, and I found it in my notes on my phone yesterday. I was digging and digging and digging, and I I found this. I don't even remember when I cut it and pasted it into my notes. Um, So I don't know when he wrote it. But I'm guessing it was fairly recent in the last couple of years. And it's simply entitled, When God Became an Embryo. And I want to conclude with this. God becomes no bigger than a dot to save a cosmos. He doesn't just send a child to do a man's job. He sends an embryo to do a God's job. Jesus did not come down to earth to walk a mile in our shoes. He chose to live for the rest of eternity in our skin. The incarnation was not an internship. If there was ever any doubt about God's commitment to humanity, the incarnation removed that doubt. For the joy set before him, Jesus entered the womb suffered through puberty, fought the good fight, endured the cross, exploded the tomb. For what joy? For the joy of calling you brother and sister, 
flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone for the joy of your salvation. It all began inside a virgin when God became a man forever and thus he is our brother, our kinsman redeemer, the God who would move heaven and earth to save us. It is this crying baby that wipes away our tears as our wonderful counselor. It is this powerless child that conquers despair and hopelessness as our mighty God. It is this needy newborn that is the source of everything we long for as our heavenly father. It is this helpless infant that restores okayness to our lives as our prince of peace. So yes, we are broken people living in a broken world with other broken people and life is hard and pain is real, but grace abounds and God is here for you. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the Sanctuary Podcast. If you've enjoyed this message, would you consider giving to the work God is doing through the sanctuary? You can visit our website, thesanctuaryjupiter.com slash give for more information on ways to give. That's thesanctuaryjupiter.com slash give. Thanks for listening to the Sanctuary Podcast.